Salvation is just the first step in God's plan for our lives. If you'd like to know more about salvation, just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net and click on the Salvation tab today. Well, I want to thank every single person that, that made it tonight for coming. I know it's an effort. I know getting out of this rain is one thing. But I promise you, God is worth it. Amen? Amen. How many people believe that God is able to do above and beyond what you can ask, what you can think, what you can comprehend? I want you to think about that for a second. How many people believe God is able to do whatever he wants to do? That means with God, there are no limitations. Sometimes in our walk, sometimes in our life, the limitation is here. The limitation is here. And it's by encountering God and experiencing God that, we re- that, that he takes our faith from one level to another level. And then by experiencing God, it goes to another level and then another level. In my life, I was raised in a church where they didn't teach encounters. They didn't teach about experiences with the Lord. They didn't teach about intimacy with God. I was young. I didn't really understand what was going on, but, but I knew that, that when they got up to sing, I really couldn't feel anything, so I just fell asleep. But when I was younger... My parents took me to a Pentecostal church. I'll go ahead and say it. Mount Perrin Church of God. It's where I was basically born at for the first 10 years of my life under Dr. Paul Walker. Some of you old schools might remember that name. And when that man started talking, he started preaching. Boy, everybody's ears perked up. And when they worshiped in that auditorium and that sanctuary over there on Mount Perrin Road, they did it loud. They did it fun style. Even to the point to where, you know, when you're a kid and you're sitting in a pew and right in front of you has got some pencils and some pieces of paper right next to where the communion cups go. I didn't grab none of that stuff to start drawing and doodling on. When I was over there, I knew something was going to take place. I knew that when they sang, something shifted in the atmosphere. I knew that when he preached, he was talking to people's hearts. And they were listening. Lives were getting changed. And I said, Lord, at the age of eight, I want to follow Jesus. So on a Wednesday night, I got baptized. And I said, Lord, you can have my life. I don't care what it looks like. I don't even know what it looks like yet. I'm eight years old, but I know I want Jesus because I feel him every time I come in this place. See, for a believer to feel the presence of God, it is one of the most powerful and precious moments of our life. There is nothing more precious to me than the presence of my king. It's not out there. I've chased after my own way. I've gone after my own ideas, my own thoughts, the things that that I thought would fulfill some voids in my life. But it's when I really encountered the presence of God, everything in my mindset changed. 
a part of me got awakened that was never awake before when that moment took place. I started looking at life a whole different way. See, I used to look at life with, man, I would love to do that, or I would love to see that, or I'd love to experience this in the Bible. I would love to see this take place. I would love to see God do something like that. And when that moment took place, my dreams became a reality. I have seen God like that. I have seen God move like this. I have seen God open things like that. I have seen knees healed. I have seen ears start to hear when they couldn't hear before. I have seen crooked bones straighten up. I have seen those who, who could not walk start to walk. I have seen a dead man get up off the floor in the middle of a church and go, why am I on the ground? Get me up, put me in a chair somewhere because I'm not finished and I'm not done. Then when you get exposed to the presence of God, God, things change. Yeah. Such as a man one morning, he was walking in Saudi Arabia in the plains of Midian. His name was Moses. And the Bible says that when he was walking, he saw a bush on fire. Yet it wasn't burning. And he said, what is this? I must go over there to see what is going on. How many people know that God knows how to show up and show out in your life and get your attention? God knows how to get your attention, doesn't he? He's got my attention before. And sometimes when God shows up and he gets your attention... Sometimes it's a come to Jesus moment, ain't it? Like, oh, that's a little uncomfortable, Lord. But it's for your good. It's for your benefit when, that, when those moments take place. It's because he loves you. But in that moment, God had a call for Moses. Excuse me if I get a little excited today. I get to preach about intimacy with God, which is my favorite subject. That morning, Moses meets his new best friend forever. You think when Moses woke up, he had an idea what he was going to encounter that day? No! But God did. I want you to understand something. That moment was God's idea. And also, I want you to understand this. Your moment is God's idea. It's to meet you in your moment. It's to show you that he is able. That it's in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. So that he can get the glory. Not every moment is filled with all the, the frizzles and, and the yays and all that stuff. Because the world doesn't know how to give you that. But that stuff's found in Christ, amen? Amen. But one thing I have learned through all my travels and all my, my hills that he has taken me up, all the mountaintop experiences, all going down into the valleys, and that he's never left me and he's never forsaken me. He is faithful and he is true. And that day when he called Moses into action to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let my people go, let them come and offer a sacrifice and worship me. In that moment, he knew what he was getting Moses into. 
And when he called you by name, he knew the same thing. He knew what he was getting you into. You ever notice that following Jesus sometimes is difficult? You ever notice that it takes a lot of faith sometimes to just hold on to Jesus? That's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. That's why the Bible says faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That time Moses, when he heard his name called, he heard the word of God. He clearly heard the word of God. There is power in a believer's life when you clearly hear the word of God. Can I get an amen? But what does life do? Life throws so much stuff at us. that sometimes it's hard to hear the Word of God. It's so easy to open up our phone, find yourself on Facebook or Instagram for the next 30 minutes, and you're like, man, where did time go? And you hop on those little reels, and you're going ding, 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 ding. You probably heard 10 songs in five minutes. And then if you're in the living room, your spouse, I know they've heard what you've been, what you've been listening to because they're telling you to turn it down. Because sometimes, man, the things of the world, they just take our attention when they're not supposed to. And our attention is supposed to be here. And as believers, our attention is supposed to be on Him. Amen? So in this moment, the Lord He's got it planned out. He knows what he wants to do with Moses. See, when he picked Moses, watch this. He picked Moses to do the impossible. Nobody else on the face of the planet could go do what Moses was asked and told to go do. Do you think anybody else could have gone up to Pharaoh and said, hey, let God's people go? Nope. It was the one that was called, appointed, and anointed for such a time. Amen? Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, sons and daughters of God, you were called, anointed, and appointed for such a time as today. The world needs true sons and daughters of God being faithful representatives of Christ that know how to bring the presence of God into the workplace, into the school system, wherever you go. I'm not sure if you've been watching the news over the past month or two, but there's a whole lot of stuff going on around this world. And it is stuff that is not pleasant. And there's one person that can fix all this stuff. And his name is Jesus. It's not Krishna. It's not Muhammad. It's not Buddha. It's Jesus. There's one name that can fix a broken marriage. And his name is Jesus. There's one name that healing in a hospital can take place under. And his name is Jesus. There's one name that can bring back a prodigal son and his name is Jesus. There's no greater name. There's no other name that men can be saved by 
and that is the name of Jesus. This morning, I preached on the Christ experience. Peter had been fishing all night. Didn't catch nothing. He tried with everything he could. No fish. He and his friends, his business partners, his brother Andrew, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, none of them caught anything. Jesus comes up on the scene. Everybody crowds in around Jesus. Jesus gets in a boat with Peter. They go out into the water. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, drop your net. Cast out your nets. Peter says, Lord, I've been fishing all night. Man, we didn't catch nothing. But at your word, I'll drop the nets. And we know the rest of the story how there was so much fish that, that Peter caught that he had to call his friends over. Hey, come over. Help me pull these things in. The nets begin to tear. I want to ask you a question. Do you think if Peter knew what was fixing to take place, do you think if Peter knew that he was going to be called to do something, do you think if, that, that Peter would have voluntarily signed up and said, here you go, Jesus, I'll sign up for this? Probably not. Some people in this room, God has asked you to do some things. And you've been asking God, God, why haven't you told me any more? Here's the reason. Because if he told you any more, you'd mess it up. See, if he'd have told Peter, Peter, go over there and drop your net and you're going to catch fish. Man, do you think Peter would have gone the way that they went with Christ leading? See, sometimes the hardest thing to do is follow Jesus. Because of this thing right here, your flesh. Your flesh gets in the way. Moses, when he was in that conversation with the Lord at the mountain, at the burning bush, he said, why are you going to ask me to do this? I can't do this. I can't even talk. Sometimes when God calls you to do something, instead of saying, no, I can't do it, say, yes, Lord, you'll provide a way. It's called throwing your faith out there. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to believe what he believes. See, how he looks at a, situ a situation, he wants us to look at a situation. See, if God says, hey, tell that mountain to be moved, and you tell that mountain to be moved, it's because of what he did. It's not because of what you did. You just obeyed. But the thing was, is did you have the faith to believe that what he said could take place? Moses fell in love with the word of God. Moses fell in love with the presence of God. And Moses decided, he made a split-second decision one day. He said, I'm not going to go anywhere unless you come with me. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Exodus chapter 33. And this is that conversation between Moses and the Lord. This is probably the most intimate conversation I've ever seen between a man and God in the Old Covenant. We're going to start on verse 7. The Bible says that now Moses took a tent and he set it up outside the camp far away from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. Anyone who wanted to consult the Lord would go to the tent of meeting that was outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would stand up, each one at the door of his tent. 
And they would watch Moses until he entered the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and remain at the entrance to the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. As all the people saw the pillar of cloud remaining at the entrance of, to the tent, they would stand up and then they would bow and worship, each one at the door of his own tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with his friend. And then Moses would return to the camp, and but his assistant, the young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your scriptures. We know that your word, they are spirit and life to those who hear. We know that man should not live on bread and water alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let us feast on your word tonight, Father. Father, we love you and we praise you. Open up our, our ears that we can hear what the Spirit says to the church. Open up our, our hearts to receive this seed, Father. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen, amen. This story that Moses is in, in this moment, this is the most intimate conversation I've ever seen between a man and God in the old covenant. And when you study it and you read it and you study it and you pray over it and you study it and you try to put yourself in that moment to just see what's going on. First thing is, is you realize that God is in control. God is in control. Sometimes in our life, we forget God is in control. See, in this moment, they had journeyed three days out from the, 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 the area of Egypt across the Red Sea, seen God open up the Red Sea, and they seen Pharaoh's army come in. They get swallowed up by the sea. They've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. Moses gets caught up to Mount Sinai to the very top. There's thunder, there's lightning, there's a cloud, there's fire inside this thing, and the people are scared. They said, Moses, you're going up there. We don't want nothing to do with that. Sometimes when God moves and God shows up, we've been like that. I don't want nothing to do with that. That scares me. A move of God sometimes can do that. It's because our flesh doesn't understand what's going on. God likes to do things that your flesh can't handle. That's why I like the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because your flesh can't handle that. Your flesh can't handle that. But in this moment, Moses hanging out with God for a while. And all the people are like, hey, we don't know what's happened to Moses. What has taken God so long? Let's do our own thing. That's where they got in trouble. That's when they threw all the jewelry in, a pot, made a golden calf, and then they got in trouble. Why? Because they couldn't wait on God. The most fascinating thing in all of existence was right in front of them on top of a mountain, the presence of God, the glory of the Lord. That is what people have died And these people 
don't even understand how lucky they are to be in that moment. And so God gets angry as he rightfully should by what they did. And he tells Moses, hey, y'all go ahead and go on. If I go with you, I'm going to destroy you. There's a bunch of stiff-necked people here, and I just don't, I can't stand it. But Moses, Moses being 100% man, starts to intercede for those people who are dead wrong. Remember in the very beginning when I said that God chose the right man? God chose the right man. Moses falls in love with the presence of God and he says, hold on a second here. What will people say? What will people say if you, if you, if you leave them here and you don't go with them and you destroy them? That God just brought you out here to leave you. Sometimes in our life, the enemy will tell you that. Look at what God has done in your life. He's brought you all the way out here just to leave you here. And sometimes in our life, we get to that point where we go, hey God, do you understand what I'm dealing with? Do you understand what's going on in my life? I know I haven't been the only one that has said that from time to time. You ain't got to raise your hand. I understand you're human. It happens. But then this conversation between Moses and the Lord increases. And the Bible says, Moses said to the Lord, look, you have told me, lead this people up, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. You said that I know you by name and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, if I have indeed found favor in your sight, please teach me your ways and I'll know you. The most important thing there that we see in that scripture is Moses' heart when he said, if you would teach me your ways, I'll know you. To know God is to have salvation. Jesus said in John chapter 17, verses 3, that this is everlasting life, that they may know you, the one and only true God, and the one that you have sent forth. See, Moses was on to something here about the ways of God that a lot of people haven't understood yet. He was asking about his son, Jesus. The Bible says that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And he said, if you teach me about your ways, I'll know you. Teach me about what makes your heart beat, God. See, he, he, this is where the intimacy starts unraveling. Teach me about what makes your heart beat, God. And when you teach me and you invest in my life about what makes your heart beat, God, I'll know how to please you. I'll know how to be obedient to you, God. I'll know how to seek you even more. I'll know how to follow you, God. When you share your heartbeat with me, God, I'll understand more about you. And our relationship will be even closer. Because see, Moses was a man after the presence of God before anything else.
He had saw God do miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. But even all the signs and the miracles weren't enough for Moses. He said, I want something else. I want to know what makes your heart move. I want to know when your heart beats, what is it beating for? What are you hungry to see, God? God, what are you looking for out of us? That you brought all the way out here in the middle of a desert. You've got a plan. God, I'm hungry enough to ask you this. Show me. Teach me your ways, God. So that I can know you even more. So that I can know you even more than how I know you already. And see, what happens in church sometimes is we get to the point where we forget to, to ask God, show me even more. Reveal to me your heartbeat, God. Reveal to me, God, what you're looking for on this earth, God. Reveal to me, God, your thoughts about this, God. Reveal to me, God, about your hunger, how you want to move in this corrupt city hall, God. How you want to move in this school system where our kids are hit with everything in life, God. Show me your ways. Teach me your ways, God. And I'll know you. And then I'll know how to pray. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 that we know that he hears us according to when we, when we ask and pray for his will. We know that when we pray according to his will, he hears us. And because he hears us, we have whatsoever we ask. Moses' heart was after the beating heart of God. Man, you want to see a church on fire? You remember Asbury took place a month ago? Worship just kept going on and on. Why? Because all they wanted was the heartbeat of God. That was it. It was, it was nothing more than, hey, we are going to passionately pursue the heart of God. Let me show you. Anybody know what the altar call was at that moment? It was this. After a 22 and a half minute message, this was the altar call. Come and experience his love. And then the gentleman walked off the stage and he left to the side of the building. The altar didn't have a single minister up there. At that time, it was just some college students maybe a few adults. And when they decided to get real with God, the Holy Spirit started to descend and started to move and started to convict and started to make people hungry and thirsty for an encounter with a real God. And one by one, people got up out of their seat and they came up to the altar in hopes of this one thing, watch this, to experience his love. What was it? To experience his love. That was it. They got so hungry and thirsty out of their seat, they said, look, I don't care what I look like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care anything else. I just want to experience his love. And the altar stayed open and people came. 
and people continue to come 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 and people continue to come. And as people came, God descended even more. The rest of this story, it's amazing. The more Moses asked for the presence of God in his life, the more God says, I will. The more Moses asked for God to move in his life and in the children of Israel, the more God says, I will. The more Moses asked for the deeper things of God, the more God says, I will. As a matter of fact, in this chapter, God answers this. He answers these two words, I will, 10 times. I want you to know something. Your God still will. Moses wasn't just asking for their generation, for God's presence to go with them. Moses was asking for every single generation after them for the presence of God to go with them. Let me take my glasses off so I can see here for a second. The Bible says this in verse 14. It says, then he replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Wow. Man, we try to get rest in so many ways in life because of how world just comes up against us. But here, the Lord God himself, he says, you want something? I'm going to give it to you. You want my presence? I'm going to give it to you. But my presence is going to come with you, but it's also going to give you something else. It's going to give you something you can't get nowhere else. It's going to give you rest. It's going to give you some divine rest. Can you imagine being Moses trying to lead a couple million people through the middle of a desert who are murmuring, complaining, whining, and grumbling, and all they're trying to do is say, hey, isn't it better for us back where we were versus where we're at now? You think Moses hadn't gone through some stuff? I promise you that he had. But he knew what to ask for, amen? When you're going through stuff in life, know what to ask for. The presence of God. That is the real only thing that can give you rest. The Bible says it's the anointing of the Spirit that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing of the Spirit that is in the presence of God that destroys the yoke of the what? Enemy. If you could turn the music, fade the music out in the background, please. I want to get real just for a second. I feel like getting wound up here. See, how many people realize that the ministry of Jesus is a ministry of deliverance? To whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You want to talk about having an encounter with the Lord? Ask for the Holy Ghost to do something in your life. Ask for the Holy Ghost. Ask for His anointing to just make you oozing and sopping and soaked everywhere you go. You just leave puddles of Jesus everywhere you go. See, that was the heart of Moses. Everywhere I go, I want you with me, God. Everywhere, every single thing I do, God, I want you with me. 
And that's how I want to be with the Holy Spirit. See, I've lived life, man. I've done some stupid things in my life. And I have a testimony of where if it wasn't for the goodness of God, I wouldn't be here right now. And if it weren't for the goodness of God in Moses' life, Moses wouldn't be there. We got to remember, man, that our God knows what's going on. He knows what we're dealing with and he knows what we're up against. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians, he says, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But you wrestle against, man, them things in the heavens. Them spirits of evil, of wickedness. See, anybody remember this prophet named Isaiah? Anybody ever heard of Isaiah? Maybe. Let me say this here real quick. The Bible says in Isaiah 61, this wasn't in my notes, this wasn't part of what I was going into, but it's where I'm at right now. Verse one, the spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When Jesus goes into public ministry, that is what he reads in a synagogue. As he says here, let me explain something to you. The heart of God is to see his people set free. The heart of God is to encourage the people on this planet. The heart of God is to do something so miraculous that when you look at it, you'll have to say, but God. How many people believe that God still moves like that? Let's just be honest. Let's just say this. How many people need God to move like that in your life where you're at right now? Raise your hand. Amen. Standing all around the house. The ministry of Jesus is to destroy the yoke of the enemy. It was to reveal the nature of the Father. Jesus didn't do anything unless he saw his Father do it first. As Moses went after the presence, so did the Son. The Lord gave me a word for some of you tonight before I got here. And I kept asking him, Lord, what's going on? And he said, there's more ministers in this room than what they realize. He said, there's more ministers who are called by my name to be faithful representatives of my son than they realize. And they are called, check this out. He said, they are, they are standing on the edge of a platform and I am calling them forward, but there's a hesitation, thank you, Lord, that is stopping them from moving forward into what I have called them to do. The ministry or the call that he has called you into, whatever move that looks like, it revolves around the ability to be led by the Spirit, the presence of God. And Satan and his demons know that. How many people know the enemy that your spouse knows what your buttons are? Your spouse? Some of your best friends know what your buttons are, what your, what your pressure points are. They know how to get you riled up. 
Well, the enemy knows what you're up against also. He's been watching you for a long time. He knows what discourages you the most. How many people believe that God has a word for you tonight? How many people believe that God knows what you're dealing with and God knows what you're going through and God has brought you here to just be encouraged by Him? See, the thing that encouraged Moses the most was the very presence of God. He didn't ask for anything else. He just asked for the very presence of God because the presence of God will give you rest where you didn't have rest before. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.